together. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host, again, Jay Hersko. Back-to-back episodes today, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Uh, and with me, I have a, a murderer's row of a miscreant, starting with Mr. Chris Merman. Hi. Mr. Andy Grossman. Long-time Hi, listener, everybody. first-time caller. Uh, Abbott, back again. We didn't scare Abbott the first time, so he came back. Abbott, welcome. Not scared. <laughs> Mr. Mike Goodell. Howdy, y'all. And lastly, Mr. Andrew Leff. What's up? We're all here today. We are gathered here today to discuss an interesting topic. The question that was posed in Discord, is Agile a cult? And the answer, yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> Thanks for dragging us all onto this so we could do a 30-second podcast. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, there goes our listener count. So, Mervin, <clears throat> kick us off. Is it a cult? Do we need to define the difference between a cult and a religion? Where do you want to start? I don't think that there is a, a difference, which is why I thought that the name of this podcast was ridiculous on its face. Like they're, they're, they're both the same thing and that's not the point, but that's, that's okay. All right. I would, I would take umbrage with that, but I'm going to kick it over to Mike Cadell. <clears throat> difference between a cult and a religion. Is there one? <clears throat> it's uh, shades of uh, gray, if you will. <clears throat> Uh, cult commonly is associated with a, a group, presumably smaller in size, that is kind of new and uh, attracted to a charismatic personality or idea, and um, you know, kind of uh, is outside the norm and you know, kind of seen as extreme or weird or you know, pick your adjective. <clears throat> Whereas Religion tends to bring the idea of a more uh, full-throated, uh, stable, uh, mature kind of uh, institution, so to speak. And um, uh, for, for either to survive, the members have to figure out how to integrate into society and um, coexist. And okay. if you don't, then you get like the Jamestown cult. Okay. Where okay. They it, just couldn't coexist. Left. What are we missing? Um, I, I think, you know, the spiritual guidance or the religious aspect of it is, you know, what's our moral compass? And I think from an agile list perspective, um, that helps us define our moral compass professionally and personally. You know, if we're zealots, do we try and build a cult to define, you know, doing it one way and one way only based upon one person's vision? Maybe, maybe that could be considered more cultish behavior, but um, I think the lines are blurred, right? I think there's the okay. spiritual aspect of it. And then there's more of the, you know, dominant do it this way. Cause you know, I am supreme kind of point of view. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm a, I pulled up a di uh, definition from uh, your dictionary.com. Uh, on the, the difference of the general characteristics between a cult and a religion. So I'm going to start with you, Abbott. I'm mm -hmm. going to read off what this website lists as the general characteristics of a modern cult. And I want you to tell me, does this kind of sound like agile? The first bullet is they rush you into joining and discourage or disallow questions. The second is followers are encouraged to worship a specific manifesto author. No, I'm sorry, a specific group leader. <laughs> Third, leaders dictate in great detail all aspects of the process. I mean, followers' lives. Uh, followers are personally monitored to ensure they're following the, I can't say that, guidelines. Uh, and methods of control are used to keep members close. Now, stepping back, Abbott, in the aggregate, based upon yep. what I just said, does some of the behavior of Agile and some of these Agile initiatives match the definition of a cult? Uh, I would say I've seen 
some of those behaviors in some of the agile implementations I've been a part of, or, uh, you know, at least come into. So, I mean, if we're just taking it at the yourdictionary.com version, then I guess there's, there's a conversation to be had. And, and your, by the way, thank you, Abby, yourdictionary.com is not giving a sponsorship. But if, oh, they extend it, if they were to extend it, we would not be, we would not be against. Uh, so uh, left based upon that definition I just gave, does that match? Does it jibe? Uh, that, I, I think word, word to word, maybe it depends. I'll give you the consultant answer. It depends. I just, uh, as we keep a track at home, eight minutes and 42 seconds into this episode, we got the first defense. moving along. <laughs> Does, but my question back to you, Jay, or to the panel is, is it bad to inspire cultish behavior when it comes uh, hold that, to hold that? We are going to get to that. That's going to, that's right. one of the questions. That yeah. Can, so here, can I just pause because no, no because I need to do the <laughs> counterpoint of a religion and then we're going to go into the details. So Andy. Yes. Grammar.yourdictionary.com defines a religion as the group worships a higher source of power rather than a single person. There is a shared sincere belief system. The main mm-hmm. belief or beliefs or principles uh, on the manifesto are consistent with basic mainstream standards for human dignity. Appropriate forms of conduct between people are defined. An understanding of evil is established in project management. Oh, that must be a typo on that website. Uh, Especially (laughs) how it impacts humans. There are sacred ritual acts. So if you were in a vacuum and I read that definition Mm -hmm. to you, and then you had to just solely compare it to your agile experience, does the religion definition matter? Uh, Well, first of all, the cults don't like to be called cults. They think they have a bad they said they actually want to be called new religious movements so even the cults don't like the word cult but like i think there's a certain amount of faith within agile but then there's also going to have to be some evidence along with it you know you can only i don't know worship the scrim guide so much but if it's not delivering results to your team or to your company then it's like okay you're eventually going to leave that cult if you can Whereas the traditional definition of cult, well, maybe a spaceship will come and and uh, get us. I, I don't know, but I can, right. you can't really prove that, right? And also, you so there was also a portion of like ex- extracting a certain amount of your income. That's also part of the cult. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's been to a training class, that's uh, <laughs> that's what happens. No, Herman, you're so, itching. You're itching to get going. So let's get going. No, I like listen, like. Okay, the, here's the thing that everybody's missing with this whole definition of what the reason why I said that religion and cult are the same thing is because is that people who think that things are bad, they call the others a cult, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and here, let me, and I, w- I would like to point out the, there, there's a, there is a quote that started this whole thing, which is what Jay always does, is that he takes something that I post and then he bastardizes it. And then he says, it's that's what we're gonna do a podcast about. So there is, so in, the, in, uh, in Daniel Pink's newest book about regrets, he quoted the French sociologist, uh, a French sociologist, and I'm not gonna say the name because I'm gonna misspeak it, but you can find it and we can place the quote if we really need to. But is that defining the feature of religious thought and I'd argue many other belief systems is quote, the division of the world into two domains, one con- containing all that is sacred and all that is profane. We don't always agree on the boundaries between those two domains, but when we forsake what we believe is sacred for what we believe is profane, regret is the consequence. Now I say all that to say, right, that we, we, what we believe is sacred. And if it doesn't fit into what we believe is sacred, we say that it's profane. There are countless examples. And in fact, the great thing about pop culture and also the great political divide and two worlds that we delete believe in and that doesn't matter whichever side of whichever topic of whichever aisle that you want to do says that what i believe is sacred and what you believe that is different from what i do is profane and i would argue that that is absolutely 
where we argue, whatever we are arguing about. And right now, right, is, is, is this a, is like our, what we're doing is a cult. It depends on which side of the aisle you are on, because if you agree with me, then you are sacred, i.e. religion, right? Like everybody, and, and, and for the record, every conference that is devoted to a specific uh, framework as opposed to the non, it feels absolutely like this, which is everybody that's here is sacred. And if you are not, you are the profane. And I will point to any post making fun of any framework falls into that argument. Okay. So that's a very intelligent, well-reasoned statement, but I'm going to ask you this, Merman. I'm going to ask you this. Um, so, uh, one of the best developers I've ever worked with was a young guy by the name of Joel Demma. Shout out to Joel. Joel, if you're listening and you ever need a job, call me. Um, and he was a devout Jehovah's Witness. And we used to have really good conversations about religion because he was very, very open-minded and we'd have great chats. And I asked him once, I said, Joel, what's the difference between a religion and a cult? And the way he defined it to me is when you come to my church, I open the doors, I open the Bible. Anyone in that church can explain to you exactly why we believe what we believe and what we believe. He said, a cult, you have to pay to gather that knowledge. He said, and, and then he used the example of, the easy example, Scientology. He said, you can't walk in and get in touch with your inner Thetan, right? Xenu is not talking to you unless you're a OT level seven Thetan. So with that definition, and let's call us on our bullshit, right? The shirts and certs game that we play. Does that help? Does that no. help support the argument that we can be a little cultish? No. And, and so, so here's the problem. Here's the problem is that. So what, so what your friend just stated or the former engineer that you worked with. And so what he, so the assumption that he is making is that everybody in that church all believes the same thing. Well, and no, his, here's his the problem. No. And maybe I, I, I mistranslated what he said. The way he explained it to me is when you're in a cult, you have to pay to get knowledge. You have to pay to be exposed to the teachings, to the principles. Whereas in a church, you walk in and you go up to the priest and you say, explain to me why you, Mr. Methodist, Mr. Seventh-day Adventist, Mr. You know, Rosicrucian, why do you believe what you believe? And they'll tell you. Well, Jay, you did send me a PayPal request for this podcast. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. that's, a, that's, a that's not supposed that's a to be, not till the 40th all right, so minute. Come on. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So here's the thing. Did anybody? Uh, Did anybody PayPal can me we money all, <laughs> Can we all? So the the modern day example of a cult would we was is is what we would call. I'm sorry, that's my phone telling me that I need to take another snack. Anyways, um, I thought it was going to tell your blood um, pressure was getting high. I'm like, ooh, how many times can we make that beat? Left. <laughs> well, anyway, um, the here's the thing. Um, the modern day existence of what many would probably argue as a cult would, would we would say is the Branch Davidians, David Koresh. Can we, can we say that that's probably a modern day example of what many would consider a cult? You're showing nobody your age. Paid. You're showing no, your age. Nobody. Nexium maybe? Abbott's looking at you like, how old is this guy? Branch Davidians. <laughs> they taught me that in grammar school. No. Well, so for the record, for the record. Oh, and you are dude, in Texas. <laughs> he just, he huh. just, he just. Like the Nexium guy just argued that he just filed an argument that he sh- that that his conviction should be thrown out because uh, because the things were gathered in incor- like the evidence was gathered incorrectly. A lot of this, like like uh, so, regardless, like I, I what I'm trying okay. to say. Yeah. What I'm saying is that, and for the record, that's not an old reference either. So. <laughs> I, I think the modern day Republican Party. Okay. Is a anyways, 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 <laughs> not a single person, not a single person had to pay well to be a member of the Branch Davidians, right? True. You did not have to pay to be a member of the Branch Davidians. Now, I would argue that members of that organization they paid in things other than money, and I think we all know where we're going, and we don't need to go down that path, right? The the difference in that argument states, oh, well, regardless of whether you pay or don't have to pay, and frankly, 
all of the organizations, many of the religious organizations that wouldn't call themselves a cult, they talk about how the word tithe means 10th and that that's what it means when we say you have to give us 10% of your money or you're not a good member of the church or going to heaven or you're not a member of this church or like there are some and there are some churches that that you bring your checkbook and it's audited regularly and you would say well that's a cult nope nope absolutely not it is a religion it's just a religion where they're like hey so again i don't want to even get into that that's why i think that a religion and a cult it's a very fine line going back to my point of saying that what we forsake when we forsake what we believe is sacred for when we believe is profane regret is the consequence right so right so go get a, go get a snack go get a snack before ultimate, you pull over because i want to pivot to left now okay. i just i just want to comment on that we can't even get through 25 minutes of conversation without having a lot of triggering right like we have all different points of view on this and it's interesting right like you asked a simple question and we have not been able to bottom line an answer so you know do do i think when my exposure to agile as a coach when i got introduced did i look at the people that mentored me as as cultish type leaders i mean i would have walked through burning buildings for these people because they showed me a better path i was seeking so does that make me a follower, right? Does that make me a cult leader now that I have people that that ha have been inspired by my words and and a wisdom? Leader. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so right, when does charisma turn into you know fanaticalism yeah. or 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 something mm. rat or radical, right? So I think there's a lot. I think it blurs the lines. Going back to what we were talking about is is how when when does it become a when do you become a zealot? as opposed to, uh, you know, when a do you believer? cross over? Um, or, zealotry, or that... is, zealotry is invoked so many times. That's a great use of the word left, is that zealotry is evoked so many times in positive and negative terms in everything you do. But I also think to your point, Merman, I'm going to give you credit where credit is due. Zealotry is truly the eye of the beholder right so if you're a heathen if you're a believer right and and i mean i mean let's let's get real right christianity started as a cult it was they were trying to stamp it out the problem is it was an idea virus that ran away and then it became the dominant modern religion so most do most religions start as cults and if if we are saying that is is it so bad that agile starts as a cult it's certainly dominant in, in, in the United States. I would argue that there are other parts of the world that... Oh, well, it's not the dominant it is world. At it's the, Islam. But, Islam. But in, in, in pre, pre... I can't even say pre-modern. What is that? Historic times? Like ancient civilizations. You know, it went from paganism to Judaism to Christianity, which was the cult that wouldn't go away. And it ended up subsuming mm. parts of the government and... The original, the original modern society that started them all, which is the Roman, the, you know, the Roman like uh, empire, they said, "Hey, we got them all." It, and and that and the notion and well and frankly that the even before well I don't know if, if depending on your timeline right like Mayan culture. Right, one of the original cultures as well. Right, Mayan cultures had many gods. So, I, I this this monotheistic way of thinking is actually late to the game, because the original cultures believed, hey, we believe in all of them. We believe in whoever benefits us right now, which points out just how wonderfully messed up as a as a species we humans are i'll believe whatever i need to believe in or to get me by let's tie this back into the the basis of the conversation before you though, tie I that think. in i just want to say in the odd chance that he is listening yuval harari please call us <laughs> we want you to come on the show but anyway left continue no i was just going to bring it kind of bring us back into you know kind of the, the parallel between religious cult and, and agile, you know, you could tie it back to the holy wars of internal organizations, waterfall versus agile, you know, change, you know, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. I mean, I think a lot of these parallels play true. And, and I think it's it's how Alien you interpret the scaling. <laughs> well, yeah. it's how you it's how you handle the data. Right. 
does it turn into a cult when you abuse the data in a certain way? Or is it more of a religious movement when you're inspired by the data to, to continue to drive and innovate? I mean, or is one evil, is one good? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, again, I think it, it really depends on, on how you utilize the data that is inspiring you to do something different. I'd love to hear other Their voices stories. besides the stories. <laughs> yeah. sure. what, do, what do you think, Andy? So, I, you know, I, I'm looking at it from an agile perspective, but I spent some time in sales and marketing and they have the exact same thing where it's like you have to subscribe to this sales process and this only person, you have to go to a seminar, you have to get a certification, you have to do this. So I see a lot of parallels in it. I, I think... It, if you're looking for a straight answer, I think we, we are a cult and it may not be bad. Maybe we're culture, you know, uh, out of there, but religion, okay. that's, that's, that's going a little bit far, but we have, we have several charismatic leaders that we provide portions of our income to. And I, I just think if somebody does leave the agile quote, cult, um, I don't believe they're shunned. Like, you know, some of the new religious movements, like, you know, I'll still talk to waterfall folks. I was on a plane with somebody who, you know, you start when we used to go on planes, you start talking to them and then I realized that they managed a PMO and like a, a and they were in the waterfall thing. And I'm like, this is going to be a really uncomfortable flight. But by the end of it, I think we sort of saw where everybody, where each other was coming from because I couldn't get away, you know, <laughs> because I couldn't get away. I think. Yeah. I think you just gave Lef and I our new business model. We're going to do agile deprogramming. Agile deprogramming. Um, I thought you were going to say agile on a plane. <laughs> agile, uh, yeah, right. Um, so, so Abbott, what do you think? I mean, I mean, I, I think the only, I honestly think the only way this episode would truly work and get to the root would be we would have to have a six-hour semantic argument on the true definition of cult and the true definition of religion. But based upon your experience, Abbott, right? Like, do we? Do we as coaches sometimes get a little bit preachy and a little bit too like, you know, all hail hypnotoad, all hail hypnotoad? <laughs> like, do we, do we do that? I mean, isn't the role of like the, the word coach, you know, you're, you're kind of asking to lead people. And I, I mean, like, I, I feel like, I feel like it, it mimics a lot of, um, uh, behaviors you see within a cult, but to me, agile is a tool. It's a set of tools. I, I think it gets uh, maybe idolized in a way. There's like some idolatry that turns it into like a following and um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess you'd have to ask the goals of agile to really get there. But um yeah, I don't know. It's it's complex, and uh, yeah, I agree. We could spend six hours on it, um, but yeah, it's I I do see some of those characteristics. So I kind of think if anybody's going to blame Agile for being cults, kind of our fault, and our I mean our I mean we the royal we right because when you think about it right when you there's that that you know, we've all seen the satire curve of change. Well, there's a change. Uh, there's a curve that we all go through in maturity, right where when we first find this new thing, we think it's the greatest thing in the world and we want to tell everybody about it. This is how you got to do it. This is how you got to do it. This is how you got to do it, right? And we preach, 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 preach. And then we get our teeth kicked in once or twice, bad transformation, try to coach somebody. They tell you to go basically toss yourself off, to go defenestrate yourself, right? So then you end up in that trough of despair where you're like, this is all bullshit. It doesn't work. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And then you rise back up to that level playing field where you're like, look, not to sound like Whitey, Whitey Ford, but either or Lou Gehrig or whoever the guy that was fucking quotable from the Yankees, it either works or it doesn't. Right. And where we, you could tell a true Yogi You're not even correct Barra. there. Yeah. I, I couldn't <laughs> name Joe DiMaggio, but whatever. Um, <laughs> prediction is hard, especially about the future, but we it's all, all good until it isn't, you know, <laughs> exactly. You all, <laughs> Jesus, we're not even drinking. Um, but you reach <laughs> that point where you kind of realize that, some of this stuff works and some of the stuff doesn't. And it, you just kind of got to, it, it's more art than science. And in the, I think to your point, Abbott, in those early days when we're learning, that's when we could be the most like scrum zealotry. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like if I read one more article that tells me the reason why you think Scrum doesn't work is because you weren't doing it right. If I had a dollar for every article I read by that, I'd be retired. We're retired. So that so can I can I pivot and ask you a question, Jay? I, I think that I was actually thinking this right when you said that whole wrong and right kind of a thing is that we have um, we have gotten to the point, and probably we were a decade ago, and maybe I just wasn't as aware of it a, a decade ago, or even fifteen years ago, maybe I, I don't I don't know. All I know is is my experience is that there there did i think all of our journeys started with this is right and this is wrong i mean correct me if i'm wrong we all started with taking a test on something maybe your agile journey started before you took a cert exam Uh, mine did but like i know that there were this is right and this is wrong and that that has set us up for this point certs is what started this whole thing is that that's the right answer and this is the wrong answer even though can't think of the last one of the, you know, we've all taken a cert test where we're like, that's not the right answer. Like there's more than one right answer to that. And that in and of itself is really where we are on, on, on this topic is, is there any, is there even such a thing as a right and wrong answer? Well, maybe there, there is, maybe there's bunches of rights and there's very few wrongs. And even the ones that we've stated I mean, I'm two months into my new job as leading a transformation and, uh, you know, I'm like, there's very few, there's very few wrong answers. And even the ones that I thought were wrong answers, I've even had to be like, okay, fine, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's because it's humans and we're all standing here, we're in this position because we were told this is right and this is wrong. And somewhere along the way, we were like, is it? I, I don't know. Is it? Just, you're reminding me of Jay's favorite quote. Don't give him what, credit what is for it, anything. Jay? Well, we're fighting biology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the it's right or it's wrong. There's this inherent uh, human uh, uh, binary bias. And we get comfort from knowing that some, feeling confident something's right or wrong, especially when our experience and knowledge or for whatever reason leaves us a little little uncertain. But I want to, if I can kind of tag back off of um, uh, something Abbott said a second ago, and that um, it's the culture, religion, whatever, this this is really, um, we're dealing with human beings. And um, there's really just human beings and how we choose to engage with human beings and our, our fellow human beings. And um, by uh, saying it's right or it's wrong really does us a disservice. So, um, you know, the, the kind of cliche, meet people where they are, uh, really the, uh, beyond the cliche part of it, there's a, there's a lot of truth to it. And in just in my own journey, what I've experienced is when uh, people try to feel the need to do something the right way. They're kind of shutting off their brain and uh, we get better results when we engage our own brains. And I, and I think as a, to that point, Mike, as a, as we grow and mature, even on our own journeys and our own roles, you, it's a lot like the experience. I think a lot of people have with religion where as they get older, they start to question more and more. And they start to consistently ask the question, am I right? Am I wrong? Do I need to be recentered? Am I looking at things from, the, from a, a, a blindered point of view? Um, and I think there's a lot of parallels there. I mean, it's the traditional, what is it? The, the redemption arc of a story where, you know, you're born and you're, you're baptized and you go christening, confirmation, the whole nine. And then eventually you leave it all behind. And then eventually you find it later in life because it makes sense to you. Maybe we're all kind of going yeah. through that, you know, to turn the mirror back on us. Maybe we're all kind of going through that did journey. You, we're all a different. Did step. you just misquote the heroic journey that that is foundational to all storytelling? I don't know. What is that? The five steps, the exposition yeah. the, uh, resolution. No, I was talking about the redemption arc where everybody loves when the bad guy. Becomes redemption guy. is part of the hero's journey. Is, oh, all right. Is is Let's not go down the rabbit hole. Let's not go down. I'm sorry. Oh, we started that. We started I'm that sorry. at the beginning, but whatever. That could be another but, show. Yeah, but I do think that something you're touching on, Jay, and something we're all alluding to, and I, you know, Mike and I 
share a very similar brain when it comes to the, the people aspect of things. I think it's, when I think cult, I don't think of reflection. When I think of how we approach change, right? Tapping the collective wisdom of people is, is the reflection. We become mirrors of, of lots of things and we're more reflective and we're more, as we mature, we're able to receive that reflection differently, right? We're able to introspect and not only outwardly retrospect, but inward, right? And, and how we need to work and change and, and hear different, right? Listen differently, consume data differently. So I think there is something there, right? So I don't know why that just popped in my head as far as as we become more reflective, does it become less of cultish behavior? I think you're right, Andy. Something um, Left just said is basically bringing up, I hear this from a lot of different people, like I'm over this team or I'm going to go in and I'm going to show them what to do. So if you're coaching like a, you know, a little league team, you're not going to say, well, just run the bases, whatever you feel like and you know, swing the ball. There, there, there's some fundamentals, but there's got to be some flexibility within it. And I, I, I bristle at the people who are, are really rigid, like, well, we'll just go in there and we'll tell them what they're doing wrong. Okay, well, let's understand maybe they're doing something that works for them. Maybe it's their own mini cult within a cult. I don't know. Yeah. A phrase that or I hear a lot. Maybe there's is, something in the is, uh, environment. Let's show them, them what good. Really, Mike. What are you saying? Go ahead. I missed that. There was two. two I don't two... know. <laughs> two yeah. bald men. I was going to say, um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, kind of along the lines of what Andy was saying. You know, it's possible there's some. You know, when the a person goes and says, I'm going to show them what for and how to, you know, set them straight. We'll show them the, what good looks like. Those people are, yeah, yeah, we'll show them what good looks like. Yeah, that's that's a, a polite way of saying I'm going to go, go, you know, stick it to them. Um, Do it my way. Those human beings, yeah, um, those human beings are reacting in a rational way for this condition that they're in. There's typically something around in the environment around them that's causing them to react that way. So you know, we're, it's, it's kind of like, you know, where you're going in and just, you're saying, you know, you must do this differently. You're, you're pushing against uh, a force that may be an immovable object. So, and that, that's where some of the, uh, the, the conflict and the perception of being uh, cult-like or, or uh, having religious fervor sometimes I think can come from. So I'm sorry, Chris, you were going to say, yeah, guy with a haircut no, like I, that, you got to have something to say. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was just, I was just saying what you, like Andy pointed out that there's this notion of, just like you said, there's, there's this, if we do this, then they'll do it. Right. Which is exactly what a, exactly what a prospective cult leader would say is that, I, I mean, all I got to do is tell them what to do and then they'll just totally do it. Right. Isn't that what? Isn't that a phrase that we've heard them before? Like, yeah, let's just show them what good looks like. And, you know, hey, everybody's stand-ups will magically be less than 15 minutes now, as if doing a 16-minute stand-up is a bad one. Right, and 14 minutes and How well does that work out? Um, uh, but I also, you know, the idea of cult, religion, either or, it's it's not necessarily the worst thing because as humans, we we gravitate towards the idea of hierarchy right again here we go with biology it's the the what made us the dominant species on this planet is our ability to collaborate and coordinate in groups and be able to pass history and knowledge down through some sort of communication right that's what made us you know the dominant species on the planet i wouldn't say the smartest because i think octopuses and dolphins are smarter than us um they're definitely smarter than merman uh but i i there was a shot uh but i not on land <laughs> not on land uh, <laughs> good point good point uh Merman is definitely outmatching the octopus in the middle of his texas are we sure about um, that i do live in texas <laughs> but um but i kind of think it is natural for us to look up to try and find someone like we either inspiration or guidance or like Merman, you know kind of snarkily said modeling the behavior it's a normal human thing so i guess the 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 hope would be that you find the most positive manifestation of what you're looking to model because it, we, we, we look for hierarchy. I mean, that's why I really think all these totally flat organizational, you know, 
things, they could be a bit cultish, right? If we're going to start throwing arrows because it's, Mm -hmm. we need hierarchy. We're humans. That's what we do. Merman. Yeah. I, I, so when left was talking about this, this idea of, of, um, storylines and, 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 and right and wrong sense of humor, right? Like we, 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 we get this notion of, uh, can I have a healthy sense of humor about this? And the people that we would probably say in our community that might be a little more on the cultish side, good point. They, they stop having a sense of humor about, they stop being like that. We all, we all that person that we try to make, like, uh, I know, I know Jay's done it. Uh, and, is this is you kind of have like a snarky answer to someone on LinkedIn, just trying to have fun with it. Like, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm not saying like, let's just have fun with it. And they totally respond with like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not playing. And, and to the point that, that Jay, you were just saying about like uh, something triggered in my head about like a story. Um, we, we have these, we have these metrics of success of things like a framework or a transformation um, someone said earlier about like a bad transformation. Like, is there such thing as a good transformation? I haven't seen one. Um, but this idea of we have this metric of success and we're going to hold on to that thing. Like the 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 study that I I, I wrote a I, re- I read this study about transformations during the pandemic, and it basically what it alluded to is the fact that like all metrics of success or transformation are made up for lack of a better way to put it, it's fucking made up. All of these things. Now, granted, that one company did that one thing, that one time that worked. I, I, my very mm-hmm. first conference presentation, I used metrics on a transformation that I did and I quoted them as if they were taken from, you know, Ezekiel. You know what I mean? Like as if it's Ezekiel gospel. 2320, and, which one? Uh, gosh, dang it. I'm so mad at so you that you put that book of the Bible there? in my head. I'm just trying to say that, like, we yeah, say, right. that, well, this happened this one time, so it must always be true, when it's never the case. Mm-hmm. It's never always true. We are, we are definitely victims of confirmation bias where we point to the examples where it worked and say mm-hmm. that's how it should, and forgetting the, the fact that the world is way too complex. And being as the six of us, you know, um, we represent the entire Agile community, I would like to make the motion <laughs> that going Absolutely. forward, six white a, dudes. a successful transformation <laughs> is referred to as an Autobot and an unsuccessful transformation referred to as a Decepticon. So like when Left calls me up and said, hey, did you have you ever known anybody that worked at Company X? I hear they're going through a transformation. Yo, dude, it's a Decepticon. Don't go anywhere near it. Like, that's going to be our code right. word for now on for bad transformations. So the question then becomes, has anybody ever worked on an Autobot? I, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, nobody's I, following I me down this path, Jay. I want to, yeah, I am going to pivot real quick because I, I want to say something to, to like, you know, Merm, what you were saying that I, I feel like it gets back to one of the original questions about whether or not the cult, cult-like uh, behavior of Agile, is it good or bad? I mean, I can say for sure the way you kind of tie back the inflexibility of some Agile practices and implementation versus and how, and how cults are often like inflexible structures. Like to me, that that's a very bad thing for Agile. Like, it, like I don't think we've talked a lot about like cult bad like is it is it a bad thing for agile to to be cultish i think that to me stands out as like a very like i don't think it was ever thought of so that it couldn't change or evolve so how about that how about every single one ends in everybody dying dramatically Mm. well how about you how about we look at it like (laughs) this too like we start out as trying to uh, inspire a movement right a movement And then when does that movement turn into that cultish behavior where we're so stuck within a very fixed mindset that that movement lost its essence of trying to inspire something different? And Mm -hmm. I would say from your Autobot to Decepticon type of mentality, every transformation is successful. You are starting that journey. Whether you achieve the goal you set out to do you are transforming whether you're succeeding in the goals that inspired that action that's to me different right but if you are taking like trans how do you describe 
you're changing. So that's success within itself, right? You've, you've achieved change. Mm -hmm. Now, how you handle the data coming out of that change and it, it does it align? Have you actually planned the goals that you're trying to achieve by going through every, to me, I'll, I'll put a real hardcore statement out there. If you're not in a constant state of transformation, you're not going to be around. Like the way the world moves as fast as it moves, if you cannot funnel change and be able to goal set based upon the amount of change we occur, maybe I'm, I'm a cult leader at this point because that's truly, you know, what no, I believe. I don't think we're going to change less name to glasses half full. Because that's, <laughs> well, that's all that was. I don't know. Andy, were you in Content Club this past week where we talked about the order of time and how everything is in everything in our yes. world is not a thing, <laughs> but an event? Because every single concept we have is in a constant state of change. We're in a constant state of entropy. Everything, even things that look monotonous from out the outside, right? Left's glasses, the Rocky Mountains, right? Long enough timeline, they look monotonous, but they eventually will break down via entropy into smaller pieces. So yeah, you're you right. We nobody is in it. No one is at a state of is. Everyone is at a state of becoming. And I, I want to touch on something. I think Merman was talking. I, I kind of made me think about it. You know, we all came to this agile chicanery uh, because it was exposed to us, and we realized that oh wow, this does make sense, and this is a different. You know, we look to that cult leader because it just made sense. And this is this is a different way of working that works. So if we had to pass on, if and I'm going to start with you, Merman, if you had to pass on um, a word of advice to a young practitioner who is, or, or a practitioner who's new to the fold, who's starting to get into this agile stuff, how do they avoid becoming the David Koresh of Scrum? Like, how do they... I would call back to the branch branch Davidians. How do they, uh, they burn how it you, down. or if you were even pre <laughs> presenting with your younger self, right back when you had hair, um, what would you mm. say to yourself to, to uh, help that person avoid going down the world, the, the path of the cult and the zealotry? <laughs> oh, I think I broke I mean, Berman. I mean, you know, if you don't want to be David Koresh, just understand that under 18 is a bad thing. Like maybe you should just stick to <laughs> above a certain age if you want to. You know, I don't know that everybody in our community believes that's a, a rule, but I would strongly encourage you to uh, to use that rule. I, I I mean, honestly, the I I think I could have accomplished so much more in my 30s if I had gotten past this mental block I had that there was a binary answer to things. I, I know I mentioned it probably a couple of times already. Like, there's there's not there's there are very few wrong answers for an organization. And I wish it wouldn't have taken me so long to figure that out. Um, just start embracing different right answers. Um, because if you teach people their wrong answers to life, then they're, then they're gonna, you're basically continuing on this notion of there's a binary way of looking at things. And that's just, we're worse off as people when that happens. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let me, I'm gonna ask Andy, I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, sure. And then I'm going to go to Abbott for the, the, the response. We, we, the reason why we're having this conversation is because the idea of agile and agility has reached a long, has reached an age of maturity where we're kind of starting to question, right? We're starting to look back and, and wonder. Um, the fact that this dialogue even exists shows that there have been some missteps in the past. And even maybe there are some missteps con continuously occurring. Is it, is that, has it, do you think it has reached the point where we need to jettison the cult of agile entirely and define a new new way of working for us? That's an interesting question. Um, I go back to my marketing days in terms of like a product lifecycle. You know, where are we in this curve? You know, you're introducing a product, iPhone's awesome, it's 2008, 2009, that's great. Okay, you know, you're, you're going up the curve. What do you do to keep it fresh? Or what do you do to kind of, get more people who who aren't in the cult like i could have the same conversation probably about 15 years ago with my waterfall folks on a waterfall podcast that the waterfall podcast exists saying why are those agile people so culty or why you know so it, mm -hmm. it really depends on where your vantage point is so it's a long way of saying no i think agile is still there but if, if i already give advice to my younger self i'd say you know hold tight to the the principles of agile but the practices you know watch and don't back up the agile truck on a team or a transformation or it's not 
it's not going to work. If I tell you to do 86 behavior changes and you have to do it within three months, ooh, that's a lot. You know, let, let's pick one thing. Okay. So Let Abbott, regardless, really good at it. regardless if you okay. agree or not, I'm going to ask you to give the counterpoint. We do need to get away from Agile and it is a cult. So if you were on the stand and had to make that argument, how would you make that argument? Uh, well, I get the hard one, right? I, yeah, that, this truly is a hard one. So, yeah, listeners, you're not you're not watching the face of abject terror in this video right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I, I would you know argue for the reasons to get away from Agile would be to get away from trying to say that there is one way to do it right and agile is the way to do it it's you know a closed-minded position and i would say you know as long as there's something you're moving toward that helps you reach really the the overarching goal of of whatever you're looking to achieve if it's you know a product launch or um some sort of business goal and agile for some reason or another doesn't work for the people who are working in that framework, then yeah, move away from it. Um, if it doesn't fulfill those needs. So yeah, I, I would say like the, the inflexibility of it is, is what I would move away from and keeping an open mind. Hopefully that answers your question. You, no, that, really, no, you did, you did, you did a good job. I threw you one, on the hot seat. Can I plus one to what Abbott said with, yes. by saying, yes. And then I'm going we, to left. Can we agree on when we say for most people, when they say, when they hear agile, they just replace it with the name of the framework that they use. I think most of the problems that we have are because people bought into a framework or frameworks, right? Mm -hmm. Because a, their job required it or B that's how that, I mean, I, I got into agile by scrum. I didn't get into agile just by saying, Ooh, tell me about this touchy feely sort of set of principles. And I was introduced mm -hmm. to agile through scrum and then and then agile through this, through that, through that, through that framework, like frameworks are the reason why we've become cultures. Can we, can we just say that we, we are, we are all cultish and it's because of frameworks. So yep. I agree with absolutely what Abbott's saying when you put agile in the reference of a framework. What, what was Peter Merrill's one-liner, Mike? Shout out to Peter Merrill. Uh, we're, we're all either charlatans or we aren't. Was that his one-liner? Yep. I literally yep. quoted yep. a statement saying the exact same thing that you keep <laughs> skipping over, and then you quoted something saying the exact same <laughs> because thing. Because I know all the other references. So, Lef, I'm going to ask you this. Um, how, if you run into somebody who's, who's um, you run into the young Mike Cadell, right? Or the young Mike Cadell. Back when there was no electricity. Um, so you run into the young Mike Cadell, and he just discovered this agile thing, and he's all excited. Right. And you know, he's going to fall into that zealot behavior because we all do. What would you offer as a way or uh, plant a seed in that young Mike Cadell's mind or our listeners' minds? How would you suggest they prevent falling into the cult of the cult of the manifesto? We should call it. Uh, um, so what keeps popping in my head is, you know, all of you are talking about agile in a certain way. Um, I would, my advice would be agile is not a delivery mechanism. It's not an instrument for delivery. It, it is to me a, a, a way to organize your thoughts, read data and understand how to, to make people the focus and not, not develop, you know, uh, in in the book, in one of the books we just reviewed, right? So seeing people as humans instead of instruments for delivering things, right? So to me, agile is it, it could be cultish in that way, right? We're trying to touch heart, you know, touch a heart, open a mind. Um, with that being said, utilizing frameworks, waterfall, Scrum, Kanban, whatever, to to deliver what we're trying to achieve. So agile to me is, is the foundation of the thinking and the way to interpret data to make informed decisions, whether 
we need to use Scrum. We need to iterate our software development, or we need to use Kanban because we need to look at our systems and visualize the work differently. Or we need heavy project management, right? Six Sigma, we need to limit amount of defects coming out of our systems to ensure highest quality due to whatever. I, I think there's value in all of it. And I, and I think the Agile, to me, Agile helps you be able to review, reflect, and understand all those things with an open mind and be able to navigate through them. You know, plot the stars. I like to use the metaphor, we are um, tour guides, not travel agents, right? Mm. We're with you along the journey and we're pointing out certain things for you to see as opposed to planning your journey for you and telling you each date you got to be here by this time yeah. to go witness this. I've used that, I've used that statement, by the way. Hold on, Mervin. I've used that statement where tour guides, not travel agents, in every successful job interview I've ever had. So thank you, Lef. I owe you <laughs> yeah. some sort of royalties. I totally <laughs> steal from Lef at least once a week. I, I would I would argue to Lef's point that you could you could have an agile mindset and use waterfall as a framework and be just as successful. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I would it's agree. Not about the, it's not about the framework. We have got to stop putting in, you know, Lef put in the chat earlier this 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 idea of like war being evoked like we're like cultish people are always trying to start a war with somebody like think about all these wars that are being started there's the war on i mean we can joke all we want about the war on christmas like like they're they're the people that are feeling offended are the ones starting the war right so if we're wanting to not be cultish we need to stop fight picking fights with people which is why i would argue that the biggest cultish thing about the agile community today is we are always looking to pick a fight with some i mean the the royal we if you mm -hmm. look linkedin agile linkedin and twitter is literally just a series of fights Ugh. that is that is that LinkedIn is, is just we intellectual are, buffoonery yeah twitter's no better it is i every now and then i we i wade back into twitter just to see what's what's up and I swear to God, I wrote a I wrote a post years ago about is Twitter ruining Agile, and it has. Social media has ruined. Social media has ruined, ruined a lot more Agile. Agile. Let's it has really, ruined the yeah, Agile exactly. mindset. So if we want to talk about what has made Agile a cult, it is frameworks and it is social media. Those are the two things. So if we want to stop being a cult, we got to stop doing both of those stupid things. There's there's definitely a discussion for an alpha bozo, but I don't feel like going down that path this late. Um, I thought that I will, was my and, name on Discord, <laughs> Agile Bozo. <laughs> um, and, I mean, uh, Craig Larman, I think, says it best, and we'll close out with this, right? He says that a lot of times Agile Agilists, Agile practitioners approach the, approach the waterfall people and tell them what they were doing is wrong. What they're doing is wrong. And his argument was, and I'm so excited for you to take this course, Mike Cadell. I think you're really going to enjoy it. He said, it's not, he said, we need to stop telling people that what they're doing is wrong because waterfall is not wrong. Waterfall is incongruent to the goals we are trying to reach. Those goals being the ability to adapt and change and absorb feedback and mm -hmm. pivot. Waterfall is not incongruent with that way of working. That's really what it sums up to. All right, so we're at time, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to go around the horn real quick. You got 45 seconds to give final thoughts, or, and I'll hit, or I'll hit the mute button. Left, you get to go first. Yeah, so this is a great topic. Uh, I really enjoyed speaking about this, and and my my only thing that's popping into my head is if we think of Agile and versus Waterfall, Waterfall is like a bus going from you know Pennsylvania to California with no stops. Right? It's a very direct shot, right? We got to put a lot of people on it. Agile, we're going through the stops and we're learning along the way. So I think there's something to be said for how we learn as, as people, as individuals and as organizations. That to me is, is kind of, if that's a cult, then sign me up because I'm all in on that. All right. All right, Andy. So I got really excited that somebody, you know, one of the big uh, agile luminaries was going to give a talk and it basically said, okay, this company was doing really bad. We brought in X framework and they're awesome now. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to need more details. You yada yada over the best part. But I'm just... It's a Seinfeld episode, Seinfeld agile. Yeah. yeah, it was like a bad Seinfeld episode. So I, I guess just getting into the details and that's where it, I, you, I can convince you that if you go one to 10, you'll, you know, you'll implement X framework but will your people be happy? Will your customers be happy? Will you still have the right mindset? 
So um, can't tell if we solved the problem or if we just you know exacerbated it. All right, I just had a, a mental picture yeah. real quick of the 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 booth at Monks with Merman looking at Mike Cadell, and Mike says to Merman, "Did they yada yada the transformation?" And Merman goes, "Yeah, they yada yada the transformation. We started yada yada yada, and boom, we were agile." So, final thoughts, Mr. Cadell. Um, <clears throat> remember, we're dealing with human beings. We're not dealing with inanimate objects and just processes, individuals and interactions um, mm -hmm. is, is, is the beginning. And um, you know, kind of going back to the rather painful thought earlier, what would I tell a young Mike Cadell um, if I could see that far back is to uh, stay curious and stay humble. If we stay curious and we stay humble, then we will not only be less uh, cult-like or dogmatic, but we might actually help our clients and help our customers and help our people and have fun doing it. So. Okay. Okay. Abbott. Uh, I, I don't really have much of a final thought. I, I, I feel like this is such a good discussion. So I'm glad I could join. Um, I, I think that agile is, like everyone has said about the people and you know don't get too stuck in doing things a certain way if it's not going to work for uh what you're trying to get done um and yeah i i, I think being curious and open-minded and how you practice agile is the important part okay okay and merman take us home <laughs> I thought you were, oh, it would have been hilarious if you had just skipped, completely skipped over me. <laughs> I didn't even think that of that. would have been awesome. <laughs> um, I, I would like to go back to the quote that I read from Daniel Pink's amazing new book, The Power of Regret. If you haven't read it, it's totally worth it. But it's the when we, when we forsake what we believe is sacred for what we believe is profane, regret is the consequence. I think it's really important for us to have regrets and to look back and say, I mean, it's in the Agile Manifesto. And the principles is the is the power of regret. I don't believe that we have looked back with enough regret on what we've done and what our industry has wrought on people, like what Agile has done to product management, what Agile has done to program management and project managers. The fact that people are afraid to say that they're a project manager on LinkedIn because of what the Agile community has done to them is absolutely abhorrent. I, I think that for all their faults, the, the, the manifesto creators have stated that we are not deities and this is not scripture and we need to stop treating it as such. The scrum guide is not scripture. Oh. It, it keeps getting it. They keep changing it as well. Like we need to have more regrets about what we've done. I, I, I feel Perry, who we all love on the discord is is a reformed project manager he always says and i feel so sad for him because there's times that he stated like man i wish i'd have done this differently or that and like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with project managers that want to stay project managers and be a part of the agile community like we need to stop treating people this way like that's yep. just stupid what we stop we've done being a bully stop being a bully stop being an asshole to people everybody <laughs> And you know who I'm talking to. I've called you out on LinkedIn. I've called you out on Twitter. <laughs> so I, if you, if I haven't called you out, I should have, um, because I've been an asshole to people, and so have you. Yeah, yeah. And we will, we will end it with that. So everybody, uh, once again, I want to thank Andrew Abbott, Andy, Mike, and Merman for joining me this evening to uh, unpack this topic on behalf of all of us. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, tune in next week where we compare Agile to the various major political movements throughout human history. And we start to decide which one is Agile. Uh, guaranteed to get us all canceled in the first 45 seconds. So in all seriousness- for geofascism. <laughs> uh, Anarcho-capitalism based upon Warhammer mm -hmm. 30K. Um, so uh, once again, we're committed to being free. We've got a Patreon. If you want to chip in, that's great. If not, don't worry about it. We are doing a quarterly pro
prize giveaway. We've given out socks next month, I believe is going to, oh, I can't say that. Uh, so there is going to be a gift next month. Uh, join the conversation on discord. That's how Abbott found us. The poor guy's been uh, subjected to Mike Cadell twice now. I don't know how he's going to, how he's going to survive, um, <laughs> but know. keep the conversation going. And lastly, I want to thank um, Machine Man Records and Krebs for giving us our outro music free of charge. Someday we will monetize that YouTube channel. So once again, I want to thank everybody for uh, attending. Uh, thank everybody for listening. And until next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. 